Good food. Uh, just so you know, in case anyone hasn't been here, what we do for offerings, and uh, we'll have a time just to kind of meet and greet everyone, but there's offering buckets in the back. They're the white buckets by the camera. We do not take pictures of you as you give. So, <laughs> But, uh, but th that's just where it's convenient to put them. So uh, if you want to give, give back there. And uh, I just want to exhort you a little bit over giving. Um, so... The power doesn't go to my head, trust me. <laughs> trust me. All right. Uh, you guys don't have to turn there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul gives us two qualifications on giving. And uh, the first one here, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, it says, For you know the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, everybody say my sakes, he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before, not only to do, but also be forward to do a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. And they had pledged to give some money to those in need. And he was basically saying, let's, you know, you'd said you'd do this, let's do this. And this is the qualification that he gives right here in verse... Uh, verse 12, it says, For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what a man has and not according to what he has not. So when we give in an offering, you don't give what you don't have. Everybody say amen. I don't care who's preaching. If they're telling you to go into debt to give, you can quote Paul back at them. Okay, Debt is not the Lord's idea for you to give. And let me, let me clarify that even more. If you have promised money to somebody else in a contract, that is not your money anymore, and you cannot give it. So if you have rent that's due, if you have utilities that's due, guess what? You give something else. You don't give the utility money because that's, your, that's their money. That's a contract between you and them. So it's according to what you have to give, not what you don't have to give. There's times and in instances where where people feel obligated like they have to give and they're still trying to get on their feet. That's not God's design at all. He's trying to get you on your feet and out of what you have out of your abundance, you supply. See? So it's according to what you have. Everybody say, what I have. The second qualification he gives us just a chapter later, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified so it's a little bit fuller. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Let each one give... As he's made up his own mind and purposed in his own heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully. <laughs> Anybody ever given sorrowfully? <laughs> oh, I don't want to do it. <laughs> no, there it is anyway. <laughs> okay, not begrudgingly, not sorrowfully, not reluctantly. Or under compulsion. If, if there is one thing that I find that identifies most offerings, it's compulsion. Pressure, obligation. Okay. I'm not going to put a blanket statement on every TV preacher. I know they don't all do it, but a lot of them do. A lot of them pressure you, push you, twist every ounce of greed that could be in you to get you to give. Okay. That's not the Lord's mind, and that's not his heart. Same. Not under compulsion, not reluctantly or sorrowfully, 
For God loves, he takes pleasure in, and prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. So when we give, the two requirements Paul puts here in 2 Corinthians, he says, what do you have? Don't give more than what you have. Don't give out of the, you know, if your kids need food and you have money, you need to give your kids some food. See, and give out of what you have, not what, out of what you don't have. And the second thing is it's out of a cheerful, joyful heart. Everybody say amen to that. That's how we give in a church offering. That's how God gives. That's how he gave his son. And he is our pattern on how we give in an offering. So I want to just take a moment and uh, everybody can stand up and give everyone a high five, shake their hands, give them a hug. Nat's going to play. We'll transition into worship and give joyfully out of what you have. Amen.
us, us uh, guys, mind standing with me, please?
break our walls down Spirit break out Heaven come down We love you Jesus So Spirit break out We love you Lord Break our walls down Every single wall
Jesus. Jesus. 
lift up our hands and keep singing this. say I surrender to you Jesus and your will and your plan whatever that means whatever you ask I'll do it because I love you amen everyone say glory you may be seated I think we're gonna get going here tonight I feel the gears turning already everyone say glory Wow, I feel a little loud tonight. Am I louder? Is that good? Is it good? All right. <laughs> Let's turn to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. How's everyone doing tonight? Good, good. It's good to see everyone. I see some familiar faces that have been here the last couple nights and some new faces. So it's good, good to see everyone here. Romans 12. We, we are on a certain vein and I'm going to stay on it. Because you know that whenever you got born again, you became a new creature. That if you've accepted Jesus into your heart and into your life, that if, if you said, Jesus, come into my heart, you know, sometimes we have a religious idea of what that means. Uh, especially if you grew up in church, because a lot of times we want to say that it's just to make heaven, you know. It's my daughter. She's amen in me. <laughs> you know, you get born again and we think that you just, it's just this ticket to heaven. And it, there's nothing that really changed in your life now, but one day you're going to get to glory and be with Jesus, you know. But it says that in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that if any man be in Christ, if any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. 
And it, it's, it becomes a religious jargon even to us sometimes to repeat those words because the truth of that statement is so profound. It's so life-changing, you know? Because whenever you bowed your knee to Jesus, it wasn't that he just gave you a ticket into heaven, that he actually made you a new creature that was born from above. That you are now born of your Father, which is your heavenly Father, which is God. And it says in John, the Gospel of John in the first chapter, that to those that believed on Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God, who were born, not of the will of flesh or the will of man, but of God. And that is such a profound, profound statement that I think that we just read over really quickly. Because if you truly accepted Jesus into your life, he's saying you are no longer just born of the will of man or the will of flesh, but you are now born from above because Christ now lives inside of you. That you're a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It says in Romans 8, 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wave your hand at me if you are in Christ Jesus. So it says that who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the thing that you got whenever you got born again, it says that it set you free from the law of sin and death. So that means that, that inside of you, you were bound to this law of sin and death by nature because you were born into it because Adam, he had one thing to do, right? Don't eat the apple, and he had to eat the apple. So why did you do it? Why? One thing, but he did it. And because of that, he doomed the entire human race to be destined for hell because they not only lost the capacity to be in relationship with God, but they lost the nature that was born of God because Adam was really born of God. He was the son of God. But he fell and he lost that nature and then he, death spread from Adam to Moses to all the Old Testament saints and all the Old Covenant and Moses and the prophets all pointed to Christ. That one day Jesus was going to come and Jesus was going to come so that he might become sin for you. Because it says he that knew no sin, what happened? He was made, he that knew no sin was made sin for me so that I might be made what? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But you see, that statement means that before you were saved, you were vile, you were ugly, and you were sinful, you know? You see, the old covenant, the man, he was, he, was, he was not generated from the life of God on the inside. He had a sin nature. And so God cut a covenant with the Old Testament saints, and he put his laws inscribed in the outward tablets of stone. Everybody know that story, right? If you grew up in church, you've heard it a thousand times. And see, God put the outward covenants of, of, of the tablets of stone and the law and the commandments, but you know, Paul called that the law of sin and death, really, because it was hooked up to your nature, because in Romans 7, he says, I would look to do good, but I would look inward, and I would find nothing good, so I it would end up doing that which I didn't want to do. So he basically said, you know, I, I know that the law said thou shalt not commit adultery, but I saw a pretty woman, and I would look to not lust after her, but I'd look inside, and there was nothing good in me, so I would end up lusting after her. And the evil thing that I hate, I would do, but the good that I wanted to do, I couldn't do. And the reason he couldn't was because he was not born again. But you see, Romans 7 goes into Romans chapter 8, because it's all one thought. And a lot of the body of Christ wants to live in Romans 7 and say, well, you're still just a, a sinner. That's, you know, nothing really changed when you got born again. 
But Romans 8.1 says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Because that law that emanates life when Jesus was raised from the dead, he put that same nature in you when you got born again and you passed from death to life. He took iniquity out of you and he put righteousness in you. And so it set you free from sin from the inside. But how many of you know there's still a war with the flesh? Does everybody know that? Because <laughs> it says in Galatians, I say to you then that you would walk not according to the flesh. Because the flesh and the spirit, listen, they go opposite directions. So he says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But I got news for you. After you get born again, if you decide to walk in the flesh, you will not walk in the spirit. <laughs> Has anybody ever found that out? <laughs> but you see, the truth is that when you got born again, God took that old nature that vile ugly thing that you were and he killed it and he resurrected you something that was pure and beautiful and good and he put the power of heaven alive on the inside of you and you see he gave you the ability to be just like Jesus <laughs> and I know that flies over people's heads because we want to say there's only one Jesus but let me tell you something he came so that you might have life and it was the same life that he had that he put in you because if it was the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in you my God you are more than a conqueror amen, amen. but here in Romans 12 let's let's go ahead and kick off here it says verse 1 that I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and so there's a commandment here to you if you're born again. That Paul's writing to you and he's saying, listen, I have some instructions for you. You need to take your body and you need to present it a living sacrifice unto God. And you know, a living sacrifice is really something that you kill, but it is just really you deaden it so that it might become a slave to something else. So he's saying that you should take this body that you're now wearing and you should present it unto God as a living sacrifice that you would be holy. Everyone say holy. And see, holiness is not a bad word. Um, if you grew up in church, if you were like me, holiness was a very bad word to me because I saw a lot of people talk about being holy from the outside, but they would always do evil things. <laughs> and they'd say, you can't dress like this or act like this or do this, but then they would end up being the most vile people that I knew. <laughs> and I saw hypocrisy, you know. And the whole holiness move of, of, of the do's and the don'ts of all the outward rules and regulations. But let me tell you something. God has standards. <laughs> and his standards are still alive because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And let me tell you something. He's not going to change. And he has a standard of holiness. And holiness is not a bad word. Holiness is a good thing. You see, holiness is really your birthright because you're born from above. You're like him. You're a new creature. And you have holiness on the inside of you because he took the evil and righteous spirit that you had out and he put a righteous holy spirit in you when you got born again the spirit of holiness that was in christ that same spirit that raised jesus from the dead when you were quick in the life it's now alive in you is everyone still with me but you see a lot of times it's, it says here that you would present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, meaning this is basically, you need to do this as a Christian. And I've watched the body of Christ sway away from this verse. Because there's a lot of people saying that God doesn't really care what you do. You could do whatever you want and say you love God and you still have a thriving relationship with Him. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because God cares about what you do. 
Because it's written right here that he says, you and me should take our body and present it to living sacrifice and walk in holiness before him. But you see, he goes on to tell us how. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And so he's giving you the answer of how, as a born-again believer, you could tap into the power of heaven by renewing your mind to the knowledge of the truth that you're actually a different person now. Because what happens a lot of times is we get born again, and we hear a great sermon about it, or we feel tingly for a moment, but then all of a sudden our past, (laughs) our failures, our upbringing, all of our shortcomings, all of our culture, everything that we've been through in life, we start to take, and it starts to drag us down again. Because we, we know what the Bible says, but we see and feel with our emotions and our eyes what our past tells us. But you see, the past really does not have power to dictate your life unless you give it the power to dictate your life. And the only reason we ever give the past the power to dictate our life is because we still see ourselves as old creatures that don't have any power. Because the truth is, you do have power over all the past patterns that you had before you were born again. See, when you got born again, you were quickened to a new life, that you now had a new spirit on the inside of you, a new heart, because God put his laws in your heart and in your mind. And he gave you the ability to tap into this so that you could walk in it. But see, it says here that the way that you do this is that you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because the mind is where you make all your decisions. You don't just make a decision without making a decision. You have to think about it. You have to process it. Then you have to think about all the options, and then you weigh it out, and then you make a decision to do it, right? Does anybody just make decisions without? Well, sometimes I do, and they're really dumb decisions, right? Uh, Just me, not you, because y'all ain't laughing. All right, all right. (laughs) But you make decisions in your mind, you know. When I met my, my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, I said, my God, this girl's beautiful. <laughs> I want to get to know her a little bit more, you know? Oh, y'all are looking at me too spiritual now. <laughs> and I made a, a logical decision to start pursuing her. It didn't just happen. I said, I want to do this. You know, whenever I got born again, I did not just get born again. I made a logical desi- decision to say, Jesus, come into my life. I had to make it, and it was where in my mind where I was weighing that. And see, he's saying here that you could be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because before you were saved, you always walked according to the fashion of the world. But he says, do not conform to the world or the way that things were or even the way that you were raised. Because sometimes the way that you were raised can be very, very bad. Because we have these bad patterns that we pass on that our parents passed on to us, that our grandparents passed on to us. And then from generation to generation, you repeat the cycle of defeat. But he's saying, do not conform to really what was, but now be transformed to what now is. Because you were born again to a new standard, a new life, a righteousness that was put on the inside of you that you could learn how to tap into and grow into so that you could put off anything that would cause failure in your life. It doesn't matter what that you are, that you have, that you're struggling with. Addictions, problems, struggles. All of them can fall and bow their knee to the new man that's alive on the inside of you because you have that power and you have that right. Amen? Amen. But the way into it is that you must be renewed in your mind. See, I know a lot of people that if, if, if you do not get transformed by the renewing of your mind, you will not walk in truth. Because you could even know something. But see, it, it, it doesn't say to, to just know it. It says be transformed. 
transformed into it. It starts with knowledge, but then it becomes an action. It becomes a step. It becomes a walk. Because Paul said, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Well, in order to walk, you've got to take one step in front of you, and then take another step. So that means it's deliberate, and it's on purpose. Right? Right? But you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And see, I remember growing up in church and around circles in Christianity that what happened to me was early on I got painted a picture of religion that was not from God that said once you got saved, you're still a sinner that's saved by grace. And there's nothing that you could do to change it because we all fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Well, let me tell you something. He was talking about before you got born again. Because once you got born again, you were made righteous. So that means there is one righteous now. It's the righteous one that lives in you that quickens you to life to give you the ability to walk in it. But see, the image that we usually see ourselves as is, is the old creature. The old person, you know, we, we agree with it even sometimes that I know that I, I, yeah, the new man, but then I continually do the same things. And see, God wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so early on, I got held back by doctrine. Everyone say doctrine. <laughs> see, doctrine is a very, very, very crucial thing for you to walk in success because you have false doctrine and you have truth, which is true doctrine. And they are both powerful because the same amount of power that true doctrine has, the same amount of power false doctrine has to hold you captive and keep you bound your whole life. And see, doctrine is so important because what was planted into me was the image that I was a failure, that I could not overcome sin, that I could not overcome my past, that, that everyone has these struggles and there's really nothing you could do about it. You just have to learn to cope with it, hide it, and then act like everything's okay which is where most I've found the body of Christ lives. We paint ourselves up to be clean on the outside, but inside we don't know how to overcome all the lust in our heart. Oh my God. But I promise you, Jesus has given us a way to. Amen? And see, so that image was painted on the inside of me to where I believed it. I believed it. And see, if you believe something to be true, you are going to have the fruit of it in your life. And so if you are listening to a preacher that is telling you that you could never stop sinning, you're going to eventually believe him and you're not going to stop sinning. So my advice for you would be to quit listening to the person that's telling you you can't stop sinning. It's a false doctrine and it's not found in this word. So why don't you get it out of your life? Amen. And so we, 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 we hear these things, but the more you hear something, the more that you believe it. And so on the inside of me was painted this picture that I was vile, that I was ugly, and I saw myself as failure. I saw myself as my problems and then I would look at what the word of God says but that image that was painted on the inside of me was so strong that it was hard for me to overcome because what I believed was false it was not true you know and see I, I, there's this image that I like you know me and Richard were, we were shooting his guns the other day <laughs> does anybody here like to shoot guns raise your hand don't be too spiritual oh the girls are too amen glory to God <laughs> And we were out there shooting his 22s, right? And, and all of a sudden, this, this ugly buzzard started flying by. You guys know about those buzzards, those vultures? Those things are ugly. And I told him, if we could get close enough, I'm going to hit that thing and take it out of the sky. I just boom, shoot him down. Is that a little too much for you? Sorry. Because <laughs> those things are, they're pests, they're varmints, or, oh, they're ugly, right? Well, you see, before you were saved, you know what you were like? You were like that ugly buzzard. <laughs> you were like that ugly vulture. Mm. It was, you were vile. Listen, you had failure written on the inside of you. 
See, before I got born again, I remember that I started to want to do evil things even though my parents were teaching me to do right. You see, my parents would teach me the way that I should walk, but inside of me, I was not born again. And if you are not born again, you are not going to want to do good things from within because you are a sinner. Because before you were saved, you need a savior in order to get born again. And so what happened was my parents raised me in a really good home. They, they, they taught me the word of God. They, they taught me right and wrong. And see, what they did was they, they trained me kind of like the outward law and the Ten Commandments because God would say, thou shalt not covet, and then man would disobey in the old covenant it and the ground would swallow them up and they die right <laughs> anybody remember that <laughs> and what he was doing was trying to present fear so that they would listen to him because it was the only way he could relate to them because they were not born again and it was really mercy keeping them alive because he was trying to get them to believe him you know he listened to me listen to me you know he told adam if you eat of this fruit you know what's going to happen you're going to die and listen god can't lie he told him, you're going to die, and Adam did it anyways. He couldn't lie. He said, Adam, you ate it, and I can't lie. You, you died spiritually. There's nothing I can do about it at this point. And it sent the relationship with man and God on this outward relationship because all the old covenant was outward. And so God had to work with man a different way than he works with us now because we now have a new covenant, and the old has passed away. Amen? But see, my, my, my dad, what he would do is he would discipline me with the belt, you know, spare not the rod, right? It's in Proverbs, you know, some people don't believe in spanking their kids. Well, that's the doctrine of devils, right? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, calm down, calm down. <laughs> and so early on, I would do things that were evil. My dad would get the belt and he'd spank me. And so what ended up happening was all of a sudden in my mind, I had to weigh a decision. I would know that I'm going to want to do something evil, but then now I would weigh the consequence that I'm probably going to get caught and get spanked. And so then I would weigh the decision and say, do I really want to do this anyways and get spanked? And most of the time I would. I would just do it anyways. My dad would find me and I'd get spanked. And see what he was doing was he was trying to beat into me a conscience. And really it was an outward conscience of morals, right and wrong, because he was the one that was putting them in me. You see, it didn't come from within. From within, I was wanting to lie. Who taught me how to lie when I was four or five years old? My parents didn't do that. I just did it by nature because my nature, you know what it was like? That ugly buzzard that I wanted to shoot out the sky. <laughs> and you see, my dad started to be an outward form of right and wrong to where I learned that if you do wrong, you get punished, you know? If you break into someone's house, you know what the cops are going to do if they find you? They're going to lock you up. Well, how do you know? Because I got arrested when I was 16 for burglary habitation because I was a crackhead. And the cops busted me, and it wasn't a good thing. But you see, the law, you know what it's for? It's for the law who don't know how to walk by that law but it's still an outward form trying to get you to submit to a form of morals that's coming from the outside right but you see so before I was saved I was evil evil on the inside and so my dad would say don't do evil and then, but I'd say uh, but I want to do evil still see on the inside I want to listen to you but I don't really care what you say so I'm going to do evil anyway <laughs> and my parents it threw them for a loop because they were good Christian people and they didn't understand. But see, they understand now that I was not born again yet. And see, unless your tree changes from within, you are corrupt. And so you have to get born again to become a new creature, to have a new heart with the law written in it so that you could have different desires, right? But see, before I was saved, I was like that evil, ugly buzzard, right? But the day that I got born again, you know, was, uh, uh, what's something that's good? My pastor back in Tulsa always talks about a duck. He calls them Chuck the Duck, right? Ducks are kind of cute. Everyone likes them, right? You guys like ducks? Yay, nay. Some of you might blast them still, right? <laughs> got them. <'em. laughs> 
But you see, so, so the day that I got saved, listen, God killed that buzzard that was alive on the inside of me, and he took it out of me, and he put on the inside of me the nature, really, of a duck. I went from a buzzard to a duck. I'm trying to bring this down so you understand it, right? So I was a buzzard, but I resurrected. Once I bowed my knee to Jesus, I died. The buzzard died, and I was resurrected to a new life that now was a duck. But the problem was everyone around me was saying, you're still a buzzard, even though you're now a duck. And I started to believe them. And so all of a sudden, you know, because when you get saved, you don't need anyone to teach you what righteousness is. Listen, I remember the day that I got born again. I was a pothead before I was saved. And so when I got saved, I wanted to smoke pot again because no one was telling me from the outside, don't do it. And I was like, this is what we do. We like to get high. So I was going with my friends and we're hanging out and we're all about to get high like we always did. And I was in that circle where they're passing around that joint. And see, but I, the difference now is that I was now a duck. And do you know what my nature was teaching me to do now? To quack. <laughs> Just by nature alone, it was telling me from within, quack, quack, quack. But everyone I was hanging around with was still a buzzard. They're like, smoke pot. <laughs> and see, that joint started to come towards me. And it was about three or four people away from me. And I remember I was getting ready to take the hit like I always had. But all of a sudden, the new nature, that new person that I was, the new creature that was born from above, the nature that was not a buzzard that is now a duck was telling me, quack, you do not smoke pot anymore. You quack, so quack like a duck. And it was trying to get me to renew my mind, that I would be transformed by the renewing of my mind to see myself that I am not a sinner that's saved by grace. I'm no longer a vile buzzard. I've been resurrected to newness of life. I'm now a duck, so I'm going to quack because it's my nature. Amen? And see, the same thing happened to you whenever you got saved. But my mind had to be renewed to that knowledge. And so prompted from within was righteousness. The righteous nature of who I was was flooding into my reasonings and telling me, put off the old man. Put off the old pattern. Do not conform to what was, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And see, I remember that I took a step that day in obeying it, and I decided in that moment to not grab the joint and smoke it, and I let my mind in that moment be renewed, that I was now a new creature, and I didn't do that anymore. But the problem after that in my life was that everyone else around me, they said, nope, mm-mm. You see, there's none righteous. No, not one. Jesus is the only one that could stop sinning, not you. You see, you're, you're not really a duck. You're still a buzzard. No, your past, you'll never overcome it. No, your failures, you'll never overcome it. And so all of a sudden, false doctrine started to grip my mind, and I started to believe it. And the nature of the duck that was now trying to get me to quack started to be patted down by me. And I was saying, shut up. No, you don't understand. Because doctrine started to captivate me and tell me that I was still a buzzard. So do buzzard things, because you're just a sinner that's saved by grace. And it's the biggest lie from the pit of hell that the body of Christ has ever been fed. And it's my goal that the Holy Spirit's given me to see it torn down. Oh. And so I went on this, this road of failure because of that. So, so what, what, what I was doing was I was really a duck because I'd been transformed. Really, God made me a new creature. And he was trying to get me to get my mind renewed to that knowledge. Because we still want to look at ourselves like nothing really happened when we got saved. But you see, that conviction, everyone say Conviction. When I was in that circle and that joint was coming my way, I felt convicted. I felt guilty from within. Because you see, God's law was written in your heart and in your mind. And see, it's written where? In your heart and in your 
mind. But see, it says that you would be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because before you were saved, you did not have that law written in your heart and in your mind. So you had nothing from within dictating you what was right and what was wrong. It was all outward. But the second you got born again, God put his laws where? In your heart and in your mind. And so now you're supposed to be renewed progressively from the very day you were born again. That that law dictates your life now in a standard and code of righteousness. Because it's your nature and it's alive on the inside of you. But see, your mind must be renewed to that knowledge. And so I got drugged down by all these, these false doctrines and really well-meaning preachers. Because usually people that pass down false doctrine, they're doing it ignorantly because they don't know truth. So you really can't blame them. It's usually passed down and passed down. This is what we've always done, so we just recreate the program, you know? And it was about that time in my life where I'd been so just run down with defeat. And if I would have looked at myself in the mirror, I would have said, you know what, that duck's dead. I'm a buzzard. <laughs> oh, my God, I couldn't see victory. I, I was just, ooh, my problems dug their claws into me and just drug me back down. And it was at that point in my life that I got introduced to the precious Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, let me tell you something, He is your best friend. He is your lifeline. You know, Jesus said it's better that I go away, that He might come. And listen, He's the comforter. And He's not only the comforter, my God, He's the power to come to enforce who you are and to teach you all about it. Because He's the greatest, listen, the greatest teacher that I know. <laughs> There's no one that could compare to His wealth of knowledge of what He understands. And you see, if you got born again and you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that you have that wealth and knowledge available to you. See, the Holy Spirit has been sent to guide each and every one of us into all truth. Not partial truth, all truth. And it's available. And see, God gave us His Word even, you know, because His Word, you know what this Word right here written on these pages is? It's truth. It's never going to change. I've heard people stand up and say, you know what, you really don't have to give credit to this because it's outdated and it was, not, it was relevant then, but it's not relevant now. It's a load of hogwash. That's Satan speaking through a man's lips. Because God, you know, he's exalted his word above his name. And he cannot lie. So everything that's written in these pages, let me tell you something, it's eternal. It's eternal. It's truth. It's a lie. But see, God didn't just give it to us so that we can have this pretty book with all these chapters in it. He gave it to us so that we could grow in the knowledge of who He is. Because He wanted us to get this in us. You know, it says in Psalms 1, that blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of God, or you could break that word down to read the word of God, is that his delight is in the law or word of God, and in this does he meditate day and night. And it says the man that does this will be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. And his leaf, it's not going to wither. And he's going to prosper. Listen, there's going to come a time in your life that if you sow this into your life habitually, it's going to reap the fruit and it's going to cause success because it's alive. And God gave it to us to get it in us so that we could then conform to it and take steps in it and show the whole world that Jesus is walking again through you and me. Amen. And so I, I found the Holy Spirit at this time in my life, and I got turned on to reading this. And I, I mean reading this on purpose. Everyone say on purpose. on purpose. That I would deliberately take time out of my day, starting with a small amount, 
You know, you usually start in the Psalms because they're not that intimidating. <laughs> you remember to find the smallest one, the shortest one, you fit it into your day. And I, I would start reading this every day on purpose. And you know what started to happen? I started to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because this is the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ written on these pages. And I started to feed it into my spirit and my spirit man started to get fed by it. Because God gave us this so that we could get it in us, so that we could become the victory of who he made us. Amen. And I found the precious Holy Spirit that I started to spend time with. Because it says in Jude 20, but ye beloved, if you are a part of the beloved, if you are born again, if you are a born again Christian, you are a part of the beloved. So when Jude says, but ye beloved, he is talking to the entire body of Christ. But ye, beloved, that you would build yourselves up on, up on your most holy faith. And do you know how? By praying in the Holy Ghost. And see, when you got filled with the Holy Spirit, my God, he stepped in and he brought a prayer language from heaven. And it's called speaking in other tongues. And if you cannot speak in tongues here tonight, I ask you to come up after this service. And I believe that you will get baptized and filled with the fire of heaven. Amen. And he gave us the Holy Spirit in this prayer language, which is it's the way that you could loose the Holy Spirit to become your teacher. It's the way that you could actually, on purpose, spend time with the Holy Spirit. Because it says in 1 Corinthians 14, that if I, Paul said, if I pray in an unknown tongue, see, my spirit's praying, and it's being edified. But my understanding, it's unfruitful. But howbeit in the Spirit, I'm speaking mysteries. I'm not talking unto man, but I'm talking under God. And my spirit, what did he say? it's being edified but ye beloved you that are born again that can now have access to the Holy Spirit if you on purpose pray in the Holy Spirit minute after minute hour after hour day after day you will be built up on your most holy faith and you will be edified it's a law that works just as the law of gravity amen <laughs> and so I started to spend time praying in tongues hour after hour after hour on purpose I started to meditate this book and get it in me. I started to get alone with God and I started to let the Holy Spirit build me up because he said he would in his word and he cannot lie. And so what started to happen, see the first thing the Holy Spirit goes to war with is false doctrine in your life because he is the spirit of truth. And so he comes to bring you the truth of heaven. So if you start to pray in an unknown tongue habitually, on purpose, just because you want to, because it's an on-purpose pathway into change, the Holy Spirit will start to meticulously tear down every false doctrine that you believe to be true. And he's going to rebuild and reteach you truth and true doctrine. And so hour after hour, the Holy Spirit started to build me up in my spirit, man. Every second that I prayed in tongues, every minute that I gave reading to this word, he started to build me and edify me. And he started to attack the roots of the doctrine that said you were still a sinner that's saved by grace. He started to attack the doctrines that made me look at myself like I was still that vile, ugly buzzard. That he started to attack the doctrines that I, I wanted to believe that I did not have power over my failures, that I did not have... Uh, a right to even get my life to go in a certain direction because sometimes we want to sulk in our problems and say, you don't know me. This is how I am. This is how God made me. That's hogwash. He gave you the power to change. He gave you the ability to become the son of God, the son of God that's born of him and then mature more into it so that you could conquer everything that's in your path so that you could then walk forward with him and fulfill the call of God on your life. Amen. Amen. 
And so I started to pray in tongues and I started to fast and I started to read this word and I started to be built up on my most holy faith. And so what started to happen was I started to see myself as the duck that I had been made. And so I'd spend time praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. I was being edified, edified, edified. So all of a sudden when I was facing that giant in my life, when I was facing that same thing that had always clawed me down and drugged me back to always fall frail to it, all of a sudden that prompting from the inside that said you're no longer a buzzard you're a duck so quack like a duck I allowed myself to be renewed to that knowledge that I am success I am not failure I am victory I am not failure I am righteous I am not sin I am good I am not vile you are not ugly you are pure because you are born from above and you have it alive right now inside of you Oh, and I started to see that clearer and clearer and clearer. And so I started to take steps in the, the actual nature of who I was, which was a duck. So I started to quack like a duck because I was born of the greatest duck of all, which is God. Because I'm like him. And so are you. And he wants you to learn that. But not only learn it, but let your mind be renewed to the knowledge of it so that you could take a step in it. But it works hand in hand with conviction. Everyone say Conviction. And yeah, whew, I lost my breath. Here we go. <laughs> so before I was married, <laughs> see, I'm a man. <laughs> I have hormones. <laughs> oh, y'all are way too spiritual. <laughs> I'm a man, and I have hormones. And so see, before I was married, you see, I, I'm a man. I have hormones. <laughs> and so I, I wanted to really get alone with my wife, who wasn't my wife, and touch her. <laughs> but you see, the problem with that is that it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that it is good for a man not to touch a woman. But in order to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. And so Paul's writing something here to the body of Christ. That if you are attracted, oh, single man or single woman, to someone of the opposite sex, he's basically saying, do not touch them. And if you want to touch them, you better be married. But if you're not married, don't touch them because it's going to lead you into fornication. So don't touch the woman so you can avoid fornication. But if you want to end up actually doing the deed, you better be married, right? Is that, is that what it says? And so before I was married I wanted to get alone with my wife you know I was a little bit carnal I had hormones and all men have hormones and if they tell you they don't they're lying <laughs> and so I remember that I was a born-again Christian listen I had been killed the buzzard was killed I was raised to now be a duck either the sinner was killed I was raised to newness of life but see my mind that there was there was these plans all of a sudden that they wanted to work to where we'd go out on a date you know <laughs> and it's gonna like nine or ten at night we're going home after the movie and I'm just thinking maybe we can stop and park a little bit somewhere maybe I can slide my arm around her and scooch her in a little closer and maybe get a little kiss you know and you see at that moment do you know what happened the duck nature that I had been made oh my god it started sending signals to my brain <laughs> it started to convict me everyone say conviction and it started to convict me before I actually went to do the act. Because you see, I was now a righteous son of God that had been made righteous, not only so that I could understand it, but walk in it. So I wasn't married, so it was not okay for me to make out with my girlfriend at the time. Because listen, if you start to make out with your girlfriend or boyfriend before you're married, you're setting yourself up on a train to head into fornication. Because God never intended you to get going and then stop. You're supposed to be married. Oh, y'all are looking at me too stiff. It's good. 
And so what happened was that, that the new man, the, the buzzard had been killed. I am now a duck. And so from the inside, it was telling me, you better quack. And in order for you to quack, you better take your thought captive. You better take that thought and kill it. You will not go and park and put your arm around her because it's going to get you in a situation that you cannot handle. You must yield to this so that your mind can be renewed to the knowledge of the truth that you're no longer a buzzard. You are a duck. So stop doing buzzard things. But everyone say yield. <laughs> I had to yield at that moment in order to get my mind to be transformed. Oh, and yielding, it's, it's one of the hardest things to do sometimes, <laughs> especially if you really want to do something. But you see, that's where it says walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, right? But if you walk in the flesh, let me tell you something, you're not going to walk in the spirit. And see, your mind must be renewed that you are a spiritual being. You have the spiritual power. And so he wants you to take steps in it so that you don't walk in the flesh. And I had to make a decision in that moment to say, yes, sir, I'm going to cancel this plan. I'm not going to go that route. And I'm going to just drive her home, drop her off, and I'm going, you know, to my own house. And the very second that I did that, you know, I took that thought captive and I brought it into obedience to Christ who is now on the inside of me. Because the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds that you would take every single thought that you have captive to the obedience of Christ. Where is Christ? He's in you, isn't he? It's not that you take your thoughts and throw them up to heaven and say, Jesus, take them. You take your thoughts captive to the new man that's alive on the inside of you so that you do not end up walking in what you shouldn't. But you have to yield to those impulses that the duck nature sends you because you are born again. And we all know when we don't because when you do something that you shouldn't, usually you're convicted right before it and then you feel very convicted afterwards. Anybody ever been there? And see, that's that little small voice that we all want to override. And then what we do is that we want to look for breakthrough that's out in the future. We want to look for the success of breakthrough that's going to come where God's going to touch us and then I'll be able to find the grace and strength to stop all these things. But I promise you the breakthrough is found in the little small voice that you hear that's telling you to stop. Because you know what that is? That's the nature of Christ that's alive on you that's trying to get you to renew your mind to yield to it so that you do not do the things that you always did, but you do the things that are from above now. And see, so you have to yield to that little small voice that you hear. It sends signals, it sends impulses into your brain. You could feel it. It, it affects your emotions. And it, it goes into your soul where you make all your decisions and God asks you to make a decision to yield to it. And if you do not yield to it, your mind will not be renewed to the knowledge of the truth. And you will take a step in being a buzzard. Even though you're no longer a buzzard, you are now a duck. And you override the power that the duck had and you continually do buzzard things. Is this making sense? Yes. Because you were born from above. But you have to make decisions in order to walk in it. And you see, all of us are at different levels at this point in our life. Everyone's at a place. Everyone's dealing with all types of stuff. You know, I know I'm dealing with stuff that, that you might be different from you, and you might be dealing with stuff that's different from me, but I promise you there's a path of victory for all of us to walk, for all of us to walk, for all of us to walk in victory, and it's alive, amen? And so the more time that I spent praying in the Spirit, the more it unlocked the power of heaven to be loose, to paint the image of who I really was, the victory on the inside. And it allowed me to be built up on my most holy faith 
to see clearly who God said I was and then take a step in it. And see, that is available to every single person that's in this room. You know, you don't have to leave these meetings and just go about your life the same way that it's always been. See, God expects us to change, but there's no change without change, right? <laughs> you can't change without doing something differently. And you know, a lot of us in here know the decisions that he's been asking us to make. <laughs> There's a lot of us in here that have been doing things that we know we shouldn't. And you know, you know I'm, I'm up here preaching, and you're like, my God, he's talking about me. Well, I don't know what you're doing. I'm just preaching what the truth is, really. Because it affects us all, including me, because I'm not exempt from it. Because God wants us all to learn to walk as who we really are, which is righteous children of God. And see, when you yield to that new man and that, that conviction from within, I promise you, every single time you do, you will walk in victory. It might not feel like you have the strength, but we do not walk by emotions. We walk by faith. And emotions do not have the power to stop that from working in your life unless you, unless you let them. So anytime you feel an emotional struggle, but you hear that small voice of conviction, I promise you that small voice of conviction has more power than the emotional struggle. It's when we paint the emotional struggle out to be bigger than the conviction is when we find ourselves in failure. And we don't have to do that. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. And so the more time that you and me spend with God, the more he's going to paint the image of victory on the inside of you. And I promise you, you'll realize who you really are so that you could see it so clearly more and more and more. Because this is a progressive thing that happens in our life. That your mind's constantly being renewed to that knowledge. That you're constantly, in your everyday life, you're always making decisions. And see, the Holy Spirit, he wants to dictate your whole life with the plan and purpose of God. Because he has a plan for everyone in this building. He has specific instructions for everyone in this building. He has a call for everyone in this building. He, and I know it, it gets so like mundane when you hear it a thousand times, but it's true. There's not ten paths for your life. There's only one. And there's only one person that knows how to take you all the way into it, to where you walk in it. And that's the Holy Spirit. So why wouldn't we spend time with him? Because he's been sent to unlock victory in our life. He's been sent to guide us into success. You know, I've, I, me and my wife are in full-time ministry now, and the only reason that we are is because the Holy Spirit led me into it. And he said, this is where you're going. And I said, yes, sir, I'm going to obey you because you've got to obey him. <laughs> Amen? Amen? So let's all stand.